Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. This is the word of God. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The word of the Lord. Thank you, David. Good morning, everyone. My name is Eric, and I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity as well. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, um, welcome. This year for the season of Lent, for the six Sundays leading up to Good Friday and then Easter, we'll be looking at the Lord's Prayer together. Why the Lord's Prayer? Well, the season of Lent, more than any other season in the church calendar, is a season dedicated and focused uh, to prayer. As such, during Lent, we have the opportunity to remember that prayer is not an aspect of the Christian life. It is not like one of many important spiritual practices that is essential to our spiritual health and life. Prayer is like the breath of the Christian life. It is like the breath and the life of a church. Any other practice that we can do, like reading the Bible, studying the Bible, being together in community with one another, serving, worship, what we're doing this morning, being here at church, any other practice will be without life, will be without breath apart from prayer. Without prayer, they will all eventually dry up and lose their power. Now, last year as a church, we said one of our goals as a church was to go deeper in prayer together. And I'm happy to report to you, I was actually analyzing the data this week, looking at all the results from this past year, and we've reached our goal. We can go no deeper. I'm kidding, of course. We have a lot of room to grow. I have a lot of room to grow in this. And I sense that God is telling us, stay here for a while. Continue to go deep in prayer together as a church. So my goal for us, my goal for myself and for our church, for Trinity this Lent, is that we would take time to breathe deeply, to breathe deeply in prayer as we learn from and as we pray together the most famous and the most important prayer in the Bible, the Lord's Prayer. 
the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. If you think about it, the Lord's Prayer is probably the set of words, the most repeated set of words in the history of the human race. For 2,000 plus years, people have been praying this prayer in every language, practically across the globe. If it's not the most repeated set of words in human history, it certainly is the most repeated prayer in human history. And when something is so familiar to us, we can take it for granted. We can forget what it is that we're actually praying when we pray the Lord's Prayer. So this Lent, I hope to either introduce you to the Lord's Prayer, if it is new to you, or reintroduce us all to this prayer that Jesus has given to us. So I'd like to begin this morning. You'll see an outline if you're following along in your worship folder. We have four things I'd like for us to look at this morning. First, I want to say a few things about the Lord's Prayer as a whole, and then we'll look at the first part of the prayer, our Father in Heaven. So first, the Lord's Prayer. As a whole, it's meant to be a pattern for prayer. It's found in two places in the Bible. It's in Matthew 6, as we just read. Scholars actually say that uh, this is the very center of the Sermon on the Mount, if you look at it structurally, that the most famous sermon at the very heart and very center is this prayer that Jesus gave to us. It's also found in Luke chapter 10. Now, in Matthew, Jesus is very direct. He's very practical. He says, as we just heard read, this is how you should not pray. He says, don't pray to look religious. Don't pray to impress other people. Prayer is not about others. And he says, don't pray as if it was some kind of incantation where you're trying to get God's attention and manipulate God. Don't pray like that, but pray like this. And he gives us the exact words to pray. In Luke when we see the Lord's Prayer in that gospel, the disciples ask Jesus, teach us to pray. And he gives them this prayer. Now, the benefit of all this is that Jesus has given us very clear teaching on how to pray, on what to pray, how to breathe life and energy and reality into our prayer lives and how we can connect with God. Jesus says, this is how you do it. Now, the danger is, though, that we can be so familiar and disengaged from the Lord's Prayer if we simply just recite the words without thinking, just saying it, but not really saying it. If that's what we do, it won't do anything for us. Now, there is value in praying the Lord's Prayer word for word. We do it almost every week as a church. There's great value in that when we do it from a genuine heart. But Jesus gave us this prayer primarily as a pattern for our prayers, as an outline. We know it's a pattern and it's a model because Jesus prayed other words than this. We have other words in the New Testament, in the prayers of the New Testament, other than these exact words. So it's a pattern. Now, I want to give you this application up front in the sermon. Usually, we do that more towards the end. But here is the application up front of this message and all our messages during the season of Lent. And it's this. We are to see and to use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for our prayers. For those of you who may be new to Christianity, 
If Jesus is someone you are exploring, if you're trying to make sense of who he is and what he's all about, the Lord's Prayer is a great place for you to start. Not only is it a pattern of prayer, but over all the history of Christianity, it's been considered a great summary of the essence and the heart of the Christian life. It's been called a compendium of heavenly doctrine or the abridgment of the entire gospel. What does a relationship with God look like? According to Jesus, it's all here in the Lord's Prayer. But the Lord's Prayer is not just a great place to start, it's a great place to stay for our entire lives. It keeps your relationship with God balanced. It prevents you from neglecting important parts of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So it's important for us time to time, even if we're so familiar with it, to relearn it, to be reintroduced to the Lord's Prayer. And if we haven't used it, to use it. And that is what I hope we help you with during this season of Lent. And so what I want to ask you to do for the next 40 days or so is to use this prayer. Use it word for word as a genuine prayer of the heart. Use it as a prayer outline for your own times in prayer. It's a pattern for prayer. Now let's look at the actual prayer itself. Let's start with the beginning of the prayer, our Father in heaven. In this opening prayer, we have an answer to the question, what is the purpose of prayer? And this is not an easy question at all to answer. It actually leads to more questions most of the time for us. Like, does prayer change anything? Does it work? Does God answer prayer? If God has a sovereign plan, if He is in control of everything, then why should we pray? Is prayer more for me or is it more for God? The truth is there is more than one purpose to prayer. We could find a number of different purposes right here in the Lord's Prayer itself, but Jesus shows us here what is the highest and the ultimate purpose of prayer. So if you're taking notes and you want to be very technical about it, you can put a little carrot there before the word purpose and write highest purpose of prayer. This purpose enables us to pray even when we have all these other questions of prayer and they go unanswered. When prayer is very hard, when prayer is mysterious to us, when we feel like we can't pray, this purpose of prayer keeps us going. This highest purpose of prayer is found in the first two words of the Lord's Prayer, our Father. In some church traditions, this prayer is not called the Lord's Prayer at all. It's called the Our Father. In Latin, the Pater Noster, Our Father. And if it was in my power to change it, after this week, I would say, let's do it. Let's call this prayer the Our Father. Because Jesus says, before we get to asking anything from God, He tells us, here's how you address God, our Father. And in telling us how to address God, what to call Him, how prayer begins, Jesus is giving us right there the highest purpose of all prayer. Prayer is communion with God as Father. Prayer is being with God as His child. That is the highest purpose of all prayer. Of all the titles and names for God, 
that Jesus could have chosen for this model prayer, he chose the most familial and the most personal title he could have possibly chosen, our Father. Think of this. For every title we use to address God, there is a corresponding title for us, right? If God is shepherd, we are sheep. If God is Lord, then we are servant. If God is king, we are his subjects. If God is almighty, we are weak and we are limited. If God is the maker, we are the creation. If God is holy, then we are sinful. These are all true and important aspects of who God is and who we are. But the one Jesus says we are to give priority above all of them, God is Father. I am His Son, and I am His daughter. The highest purpose of prayer, then, is not what we can get from God, not anything we can ask of God, not anything God might do in response to our prayer. The highest purpose of prayer is knowing and enjoying God as Father. And this is so personal and so rich. There are many ways that we could describe what it means when Jesus says God is Father. What is a Father? What kind of Father is God? If you'll forgive me, I'm going to give you four more Ps. I'm going to do it really quickly. Sometimes I can't help the alliteration. It's just, it's there. And so God as Father means this. We see this throughout the Sermon on the Mount. It means God provides. A good Father provides. God provides. A good Father protects. God protects. A good Father is present. That is a part of what Jesus is saying. God is always present to his children. And a father is pleased with his kids. He loves them. God as father is pleased with his children. This means the highest purpose of prayer is never impersonal. It can never be transactional. God is our father, not a force, not a thing, not like a divine bending machine where we say, let me put in this prayer and out comes this thing that I want. God is not a force that we access in order to have power for self-improvement. And God is not just an idea for us to think about and meditate on. God is a person, so all prayer is personal communion with God as Father. This is so, so important. Let me unpack this a little further. The old English preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, you may have heard of him, he said the essence of true prayer is found in these two words alone, our Father. He said, if you can say from your heart, Whatever your condition, my Father, in a sense, your prayer is already answered. He's saying, in a sense, all you need is this prayer, my Father. It's the only prayer you need. Think about it like this. If God does exactly what you ask Him to do, you're praying and you ask God, do this, but you don't know Him 
as your father, if he is distant and cold to you, if you're not sure whether he loves you, is for you, if you think of him only as king, almighty God, distant holy God, or if you think of him as an impersonal force for you to access when you need him, that you can use him to improve your life when you want, then you are not better off for God answering your prayer. You are much, much worse off much farther from the purpose of prayer. But if you can say, my Father, even when your hard circumstances are not changed and you don't know how they're going to change, you don't know what God is doing, you still have pain, you still have grief, you still have weakness, but you know deeply the pleasure of God for you. You know that even when you don't understand, God is protecting you from ultimate harm, that God will provide your deepest and most important needs, and that God, no matter what, is present with you, if you know these things deep, deep in your heart, then it even doesn't matter exactly how God will answer your prayers, because you have the most important thing already. You have the best gift. Now, Jesus says, in the context of the Lord's Prayer, God is Father in heaven. He calls God our heavenly Father throughout His teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Heavenly Father is taking a combination of God's nearness and His sovereignty and putting them together. God's closeness and His incomprehensible transcendence all together. He is a heavenly Father. Now, when you put those two things together, heavenly Father, it almost makes prayer seem unnecessary. And I think that's what Jesus is doing here. That's what he's teaching. When God is your Father, he's your Father whether you pray or not, whether you ask or not. Just like an earthly father is a father whether we ask them to be or not, they are our Father. When God is your Father like any good earthly father, he's not waiting for you to ask or act or do anything to care for you. He is your heavenly Father who has unlimited love in unlimited power together. Now, in the context of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus puts these two things together. He says, your heavenly Father, He sees in secret. He knows everything. He sees everything about you. You can't tell Him anything He doesn't already know. His attention is already on you. Your heavenly Father, He says, knows what you need before you ask. He knows exactly what you need. You can't ask for something where He doesn't say, I already know says, your heavenly Father loves to give good gifts to his children. He's already predisposed to give you the best things. You don't have to earn his best gifts. He already wants to give them to you. If he's your heavenly Father, all this is true. Now think about this. If the purpose of prayer is not about telling God what he doesn't know, not telling him what we or other people need, or trying to convince him to give us good things, what is it for? Well, the Bible teaches that one day we will stop praying all the petitions in the Lord's Prayer. But we will never stop praying the opening address. Hallowed be your name. One day God's glory and holiness will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. 
His name will be hallowed. We'll know it like the sun is shining. Your kingdom come, your will be done. One day, God's kingdom will come fully into this earth, and we won't have to pray it anymore. Give us this day our daily bread. Our needs will one day be fully provided for in the eternal feast of the new heavens and the new earth. We won't have to pray forgive us our sin because our sin will be completely removed. We won't have to pray about temptation and the evil one because all evil and injustice will be done away with. But the prayer, we will never stop praying for all eternity, forever and ever, is our Father. Abba, this is the highest purpose of prayer, communing, relating, enjoying God as Father. Now, how can we experience that? How can we enjoy that kind of relationship with the God of the universe? We have to see this. This is the third point. Calling God our Father is not a natural right. For any person, it is not something we can automatically do by virtue of just being alive in a human being. It is a privilege. In fact, we could say it is the highest privilege for those whose faith is in Jesus Christ. Now, this is a difficult thing to process, but it's absolutely essential. There is a sense, we could say, that God is father of every human being. He has a universal fatherhood. In Acts 17, Paul says, we are his offspring. We are like, we originate from God as our creator, he says. Jesus says, God as father, he causes the sun to shine on all people, no matter what they say or do in relationship with him. He has fatherly care on all. But knowing God as father, calling out to him as our father is a privilege only for those who have faith in Christ. This is why theologians over the centuries have said praying in Jesus' name is the same thing as praying our Father because the both are inexorably linked to one another. Let me explain this. Something new came into the world when Jesus entered into human history that had never been seen before. No one had ever prayed like him. In our English translation, we, we see here the words, my Our Father, my Father. In the Greek, it has the word pater, pater. But most likely what's happening there is it's being transliterated from the Aramaic. Jesus would have used the word Abba, Abba Father. This was the word that kids used of their daddies. And even when they grew older, this was the term of endearment by which they would call their fathers Abba. And Jesus, when he prayed, He prayed, Abba, Papa, Daddy. No one had ever prayed like this. Over 170 times in the Gospels, Jesus refers to God as Father, as my Father. This is compared to only a dozen or so times in the entire Old Testament where God is referred to as Father and only a handful of times is God prayed to as Father. So just a handful 170 times. The very first words of Jesus that are recorded for us in the Gospels, he calls God Father, Luke chapter 2. When he was a boy, he said, didn't you know when his parents had lost him and left him behind? He said, I was in my father's house. The very last recorded words of Jesus, 
Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. If you want to be really technical, you can go to the book of Acts. Jesus' last, last recorded words were, it's not for you to know the time set by the Father when I will return. You see, constantly Jesus is referring to God as Father, Abba. And the point is, there is only one person who has the audacity to talk about God and talk to God like this. There's only one person who has a right to pray like this. That's Jesus, because He is the Son. He is the eternal Son of the Father, who was with the Father from all eternity. And so the gospel, friends, is this. Jesus came to show us what we have lost and to restore to us our place in the family of God as sons and daughters, to show us how we can get it back, our place as Abba's children. I want to share with you a quote I found this week. I think we have it. There it is, from George MacDonald, an old Scottish preacher. Think about this. The refusal, he says, to look up to God as our Father is the one central wrong in the whole human affair. The inability, the one central misery, whatever serves to clear any difficulty from the way of the recognition of the Father will therefore more or less undermine every difficulty in life. The refusal to look up to God as our Father is the one central wrong in the whole human affair. In the parable of the prodigal sons in Luke 15, Jesus shows us how sin is a refusal and a rejection of God as Father. Sin is saying, you don't know what's best. To God, I know what's best. You won't provide what I want, so I'll have to go get it. I'll get what I want. You don't want my best. You are holding back. Sin is saying to God, I want from you, but I don't want you as Father. The Father did not disown us, the Bible teaches. We disowned and refused Him in our sin. We left the family, and Jesus came to bring us back. This week, I went back and I looked at every recorded prayer of Jesus. To the best of my knowledge, I was able to find every time we have record of Jesus praying in the Gospels. In all of them, he addresses God as Father, which is amazing if you think about it. He never, as far as we know, nothing recorded where he says, God, most holy one, Lord, most high, glorious God. All those things would have been true and right, but not once do we see him addressing God in those ways, except one time. There was one time when Jesus did not pray, Father. And that is when he prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In this one prayer where Jesus did not call God Father, we see how it is possible for us to come back so that we can call God our Father. In this moment of darkness and bearing our sin, we almost... I, I don't know how we can describe using human language what happened between the Father and the Son. But Jesus himself experienced in our place 
by bearing our sin, what it's like to not have the right to call God Abba, Father. He took our place outside the experience of the Father's love so we can take our place back inside as sons and daughters of the Father. It's not ours by right of nature, but by faith, it's ours. We have all the rights and the privileges of the sons and daughters of God. Let me just drive home some of the implications for us. But first, it needs to be said. For some of us, this image of God as Father is hard for us to embrace. Our own earthly fathers have failed us in small ways, in some and in very big ways. And we don't have time to unpack all of that this morning, but I will say this. At the heart of what Jesus has come to do is to restore you to the parenting love of God as Father. All that is great about our earthly fathers, all that is broken, God intends to redeem. Here are three things, three implications of God as Father when it comes to our prayer lives. Number one, our most important prayer is already answered. The highest privilege and purpose of prayer is not something we need to earn. It's not something we need to do anything to receive. We don't ask for it. We don't say, God, please be my father. God, I want to pray. Would you be my father in this moment right now? The Bible says we don't pray like that because if your faith is in Jesus, God is your father. Nothing you say or do can change that. So prayer as one theologian said, is like recollection. It's a remembering, it's a receiving again of who I am and who God is towards me. Our most important prayer, it is already answered. Secondly, all our other prayers are already answered. What do I mean? Well, God is our Father before we ask for anything. There is a presumption then that God will give us what we ask for since we have received the greater gift of calling God our Father. St. Augustine said, For what would He not now give to sons and daughters when they ask when He has already given us this very thing, that they might be sons or daughters? Romans 8, the Apostle Paul says, What are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare His own Son, but offered Him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? You may have heard it put like this. This is what I'm trying to say. God will give us what we ask for anytime we pray. Or he will give us what we would ask for if we knew everything he does as our Heavenly Father. Our most important prayer is already answered. All our other prayers are already answered and lastly, we have a prayer to pray when we can't pray. In Galatians 4 and Romans 8, the Apostle Paul says, God sent the Spirit of His own Son into our hearts to cry out, Abba, Father. Both times he says to cry out, Abba, Father. When we don't know what to pray, when it feels like the Father is distant, when we don't know what to ask for, 
when we feel like we've prayed all our prayers out. We have a prayer to pray, even in those times. It's the cry of a son. It's the cry of a daughter, Abba. Abba. Even when we have no idea what else to cry. That is the privilege of prayer. One final application for us. I'll do this quickly. The Lord's Prayer. Do you see that it does not include the words I or my or my? When I thought about this this week, I said, wow. Wow. How different than our prayers. How different than my prayers. When we place this corporate participation in prayer next to our often private and solo spirituality, wow. The participants of prayer are all the sons and daughters in the family. This is a corporate prayer, a family prayer. This means I'm never participating in prayer alone. I'm never a sole participant. I'm always praying with Jesus and with my whole family, with my sisters, with my brothers. The more we pray like this as a church family, the more we could say with confidence, I'm prayed for. I'm prayed for. I'm being prayed for that God's kingdom and will would be done in my life, that my needs would be taken care of, that my sins would be forgiven, that my temptations avoided, that my challenges in life, I'd be delivered through those. All those are being prayed for when we remember this is an our prayer. So two final things I want to ask you to consider. Would you be willing to ask for prayer? Would you be willing to ask for prayer as a church? Would you be willing to ask for prayer from other brothers and sisters in the family? Sometimes that's the hardest thing for us to do, to say, would you pray for me? I'm struggling. Ask for prayer. And would you pray for others? Would you pray on the spot when somebody asks for prayer? Would you pray in secret, as Jesus says, on your own? Would you pray? Would you pray? Would you pray for others? Especially, would you pray for your family, that they might know the love of the Father, whatever it is that they are facing? This is the purpose and the great privilege of prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray this morning that the wonder, that the absolute incredible reality of those two words, of being able to call you our Father, would sink more deeply into our hearts. We give you thanks that it's possible for us to pray like that because of the work of your Son in our behalf. I pray that you would give us, all of us, greater depth when we cry out to you, Abba, Papa, Daddy. That we would sense your presence is so close to us. 
remembering all that you've done to open up the door back into your family to be your sons and daughters. I pray you would give us much rest and peace. No matter what else is happening in our lives, may we cling to, may we enjoy, may we receive the great privilege it is to be called your sons and daughters. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.